Well, today, I got a word for you, which we all love, choices. How many of you have to make choices every day? I don't know about you, but I have to make choices every day. And uh, I just, I know that it's a subject we could talk about forever, but today I want to just uh, speak specifically to uh, your life. Uh, The choices that you have to make in your life, the decisions that are going to depend on maybe choices that you make that at the time have nothing to do with where God's taking you, but you know it's a choice that God's asking you to make. And uh, so if you'll turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Joshua, we're going to begin there. Joshua was a man of God that God used to take the children of Israel into the promised land after the failure during Moses' reign. And uh, Joshua was a man who loved God. Joshua, from the beginning of Moses' reign, as the one God chose to lead the people out of Israel, or out of Egypt, uh, he was the one that was always in the presence of God. If you study Deuteronomy, you'll find that even when Moses would leave the the tabernacle, that Joshua would stay there. And so Joshua was a man who knew the Lord and was committed to the Lord and and knew that he could not do anything unless he had the Lord working with him. He knew that his life uh, was a life that God had chosen for the position that he held, but he knew that everything that he would accomplish would be accomplished because God was with him. And so as we look at this scripture, he's toward the end of his life, and he's speaking to the children of Israel. And uh, he says in verse 14, or yeah, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, well then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Father, I thank you that you bring the word alive today in the hearts of those that are listening and that we understand what you are telling us. In Jesus' name, amen. It goes on in the next verse. It says, so the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Now today, for your life, it would be God has brought you out of darkness into light, the word of God says. He's delivered you from the pressures of this world, the influence of this world. And when you're holding on to Jesus, you have been changed. You have been made into a new person. You live in a new way. You have dominion over things you never had before because he is now living in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are in a different position, just like the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had brought Israel out of bondage to Egypt. God has brought you out of bondage to whatever it is today that maybe has held you in your life. And if you're sitting here this morning and there are things in your life, by the end of this service, if not already through the worship and the time that God has spent with us, when you leave here, you will not be the same. Do you believe that? Okay. Some of you are looking at me like a cow at a new gate, like Pastor Sharon used to say in Tulsa. Uh, it's because see where there's darkness, it overrides light until somebody shines the light brighter than the darkness. Weeds and seeds grow up together, but how many, how many of you know, weeds grow faster than seeds. If you've ever planted flowers, the weeds come immediately to, to choke out those flowers. The word of God is coming today and the enemy is not going to believe, be able to choke it out of your life because God is here to set you free today. 
to bring you into a place of dominion, just like he brought Israel. But once you're in that place, there's a choice. Everybody say there's a choice. And that choice is, I choose to serve the Lord. That means I'm going to put him first in every choice that I make. I'm not going to make choices based on what I think, how I feel, how my friends feel, how other influences, whatever that might be in your life, or based on previous experiences. How many of you have experienced things in the past that they come often to try to discourage you from your future? They try to tell you, well, you know, the last time you tried that, that didn't work. Today, we're starting a new day, and we're going to make a decision. As for me, everybody say, as for me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that may look impossible today, but nothing's impossible with God. What Joshua was saying to the people was, we need, you have to make this choice. I can't make it for you. You'll have to make it yourself. And, of course, the people, I'm just going to paraphrase now for, for time's sake, but the people immediately said, oh, yeah, we'll do that. We will do that. Uh, we will serve God only. We'll make a decision just like you've asked us. And he challenged them a little bit in it, saying, basically, if you're going to serve the Lord, then you're going to have to make choices that agree with the Lord. And they said, yes, we will. We'll do that. Well, it's not even one book later in the Bible where it says everybody was doing their own thing. How does that happen? I mean, they just had said, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what we're supposed to. And that's the book of Joshua, the very last chapter, and the very last chapter of Judges, which is the very next book in the Bible. After just a period of time, whatever that was, I don't know right now off the top of my head. But how many of you know circumstances, situations sometimes dilute the commitment to, you know, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, I know it's true because I'm a woman and I've lived a lot of years. When mom goes down in the house, everybody goes down. Amen? How many of you are mothers? You know, know, when men get something, it's got to be taken care of immediately. When women get something, they just need to press on through. And, and I think that's true. Oftentimes it's, it's, it's just that nature in us that we are there. The Bible says women, the word woman means to weave the atmosphere. So we keep pressing through. Well, we need to press through in these situations where we face those times of circumstances, trials, uh, things that happen with family, with children and all those things that happen because we live life in the earth. We're not, the Bible says we're, we're in it, but we're not of it. What's that mean? It means we choose. Everybody say, I choose. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, that's a decision that we have to make, and we have to make it on a regular basis. And as I was looking at this, it goes back really to Deuteronomy when Moses was leading the children of Israel. And he said that the Lord had set before us life and death blessing and cursing. I call heaven and earth, if you'll look at the screen, if you don't have your Bible, the words are right up here, as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? What are you supposed to do? Choose life. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants. That's that next generation of people that we're raising and on down another generation, even in my case. Then it goes on and says that because we do this, that you may love the Lord, your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him for he is your life. Say my life is in Christ, that he is your life. And when you choose him, 
every day in every decision. And, and I know there are, are hard decisions. There are decisions that all of us face. But I felt like God gave me this word uh, really through a little four-year-old granddaughter of mine. I had her at my house one night, and she was petting the neighbor's dog that hasn't liked her in the past. But he decided that day to take a liking to her, and she was so excited, and she's petting him, Chester. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Chester just bolts and runs right out into the front yard, into the street, and starts chasing a car. She said, Mima, Chester just made his first bad choice. <laughs> and instantly, the Lord said to me, I want you to preach on choices. You know, the first bad choice anybody makes is not accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because that's the one that is a ticket to hell. Anybody here want to live there for eternity? Not me, not you. But the Bible promises that without Christ, there is no hope. We're going to pray for you today if you've lost your hope. But I'm telling you, it's a matter of choice. Nobody, nobody, no human ever has been sent to hell by God. It's just that most humans, or not most, a lot of humans don't know they have to make a choice. That there's life and death. And there's blessing and cursing. And we get to make the decision where we spend eternity. It's ours to make. And so as I looked at that, the Lord began to show me that fear. Everybody say fear. Is the root cause of most wrong choices, bad choices, fear. And, uh, I, and then he said to me, but if you fear me instead of fearing man or fearing uh, influences of man, circumstances, then you will be able to make the right choice. So fear, while it is a weapon formed against us by the enemy, it says in Proverbs 29, if you look at that scripture, and I'll ask her to put it up, the fear of man brings a what? A snare. A snare is an entrapment. It's a place where you can't get free. How many of you have ever had somebody in your life that influenced you so much, and you don't know why, but you always do what they want you to do? Let me see your hands. See? Yeah. That is bondage. That is fear. And I curse it in your life right now in the name of Jesus. The anointing is here right this minute. Whatever that is, it is stopped against your life right now because it is from the pit of hell. What is the solution? It goes on and says, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be what? Now, is there anybody in here who doesn't want to be safe? I want to be safe. So my trust has to be in the Lord and not in man. So when my trust is in the Lord, don't you think that the percentages are pretty good that my choices are going to be in favor of what the Lord wants rather than in favor of what man wants? I'm very concerned about 20 to 30-year-olds right now in my own life, and I know I'm way older than them, but um, I've had so many situations in the last three months with 20 to 30-year-olds that have made wrong choices, and they're not here. They're in heaven. Now, they knew Jesus, but how many of you believe that that was not God's plan for their life? See, there has to be an encouragement, especially in here today. Grab a hold of this. God has set before us life and death, and you're close to it just by a choice. The choice. I choose life. And then let God begin to rule in your heart and in your mind. It says the opposite of this in Isaiah 33, 6. It says that wisdom, everybody say wisdom, the wisdom of God, it will bring stability. Everybody say stability. 
how, how many of you think stability is safety? You know, when you're not floating around all over. So wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. What does that mean? That really, it, fearing God is not God's going to get you. It's God's going to take care of you. That's what that really, fearing God is a reverence that God is bigger than any force in the earth that can harm you or hurt you. In other words, he's above all things. And uh, as I looked at this, I thought, well, that's true, Lord, because in my own life, when my life began to put more of a fear, reverence in who you were than the fear of being by myself and raising children, uh, the fear of not having enough money. I had to make a decision once because I, I had, had been divorced twice when, I, when Jesus became the Lord of my life. And, and uh, I had prayed this prayer. If you don't want an answer, don't pray it. I prayed, Lord, don't let any man talk to me until it's the man you have for me. God was faithful. That's all I got to say. And I wasn't 68 then. I was only like in my early 30s. And uh, I wasn't all that, but I was a nice person. And so, you know, I, I, nobody ever talked to me. Not one man talked to me or approached me for that whole three years. Never got to me. Well, after two, I was getting a little worried. You know, and my neighbor said to me, hey, just come with me to this singles group. And I was living in Tulsa with my three kids. God had put me there for a year by myself to learn to put him first, to fear the Lord. And, uh, and so my neighbor, she was a really nice lady. And she said, just come on. It's just fellowship. You know, we just talk. It's a singles group, but you don't have to go with anybody. And I was so tempted to go. Because how many of you know, after talking to Pastor John and my Matt and Lori, who were then like, you know, 12, 10, and 8, there's not a whole lot of benefit it's more give than it is received. You know what I'm saying? And so I was thinking, why wouldn't I want to go? And the Lord said, you can't go. You cannot go. Everybody say, as for me. See, the other lady could go. You know, then you want to get mad at the other person. Well, why can they go and I can't go? I don't see what's wrong. What's the difference? And uh, she wasn't even a Christian at that point. She got saved eventually. I mean, uh, and I'm a Christian. I could help her. You know, I could keep her from any man talking to her. Well, God didn't need my help. For me, everybody say for me. He knew my weaknesses. He knew my strengths. And he said, you can't go. And eventually, eventually, uh, I had an opportunity where I almost fell. I almost gave in. At the very end, right before Pastor Bill. It was like right like November, December. And Pastor Bill came in January, February. Valentine's Day was our first date. In, in November, this girl at work here in, here in Lafayette said, I have a perfect guy for you. You know, he's been by himself a long time, has two children, and he loved to go out with you. I'm sure I'm going to tell him about you. He's a Christian. He goes to my church. Well, you know, all the things are lining up. Christian, nice, da-da, you know. And uh, so I'm thinking, you know, surely this might be God. Maybe it's time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. And I said, okay, do you know that guy? My, my one son, Matthew, was in school with his son, and his son even said to Matthew, your mom is going to have a date with my dad. Maybe we'll be brothers. You know how little kids are. They always like to have a family. And so uh, he came home and told me that, and I thought, wow, that's moving pretty fast. Uh, but anyway, it could be God, you know. God said he was going to give me a mate. But, you know, I, I didn't know how long it was going to be. Do you know what? That guy never met me. And was married within a month. 
and wasn't dating anybody. Boy, God just, he was gone. He doesn't know it, but he has me to thank for that. Everybody say, as for me and my house. See, God knew what I needed. He knew what my children needed and wouldn't let me go that direction. He would not let me go that direction. Why? Because it would have been a serious mistake for me. I could have, again, made a decision I should not have made. God knows what you need. And God has a choice for you to make that will take you to that path. It was just a few weeks later that Pastor Bill called me on the phone and the Lord said, this is him. It's okay. And we were married three months later. I won the jackpot. I know you're listening behind that wall, honey. So there you go. He's in my office back there. He checks. Listen, you don't need to worry if I preach anything wrong. He says he'll be right out here. Told me that before I started this service. He loves me and he's a wonderful man of God. And I'm glad that I made the right choice. I'm glad that I made the right choice. You know, every day you're faced with decisions. Isaiah was a prophet. You know, he was faced with a decision. God told him, um, I'm going to send you to these disobedient people that won't listen to you. They never will listen to you. The whole time you're assigned to them, they'll never listen to you. But, you know, he had had an encounter. If you look at Isaiah 6, before God told him that, he had an encounter with the Lord. And he said, I see the Lord high and lifted up. And his train, his robe is filling the temple, his presence. And I see his greatness. And I am undone, he said. I am undone. I, woe is me, I am undone. You know, right then, in the middle of that, he said, Lord, send me. He thought he was an undone person. But because he saw God's greatness instead of his undoneness, he said, yes, Lord, I'll go. Send me. Send me. You know, he was in a position where he saw how great God was. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is seeing the greatness of God for your situation that you're in today. And when you see him great, you can say yes to whatever he says, even if it's something that may not be the best opportunity for you, but it is the greatest opportunity when God is in it. Amen. He is in it. Then it's going to be what God wants. Um, I had a couple of other examples. How many of you have... um, ever watched Dancing with the Stars, there was a lady, Valerie Harper, that was on there this week. Most of you are too young. You don't remember Rhoda. But uh, Rhoda was a a star back with Mary Tyler Moore way back in the day. Now I'm telling my age it's okay. You know, it's okay. And uh, and so Rhoda has cancer. She's a star. Everybody say a star. A lot of people have know her. She's dancing on the uh, on Dancing with the Stars. And she said, I'm doing it. And this was her comment, as long as I feel this good, why sit and watch dancing when I could be up there dancing? She's terminal. But she said, I've passed my expiration date. The doctors gave me three months, and it's eight months later. And and her doctor told her this. The doctor said, I definitely will see Christmas unless a pot falls on my head or I get run over. (laughs) Not cancer. Unless another circumstance. Because she made a choice. Everybody say a choice. She said, I want to be an example to people that even when you're living with the worst diagnosis that you could have, you're still moving out and doing what God gives you to do. And people are seeing it and they're being encouraged. She said, if one person just gets up off their couch and goes walking, who's in a bad situation, then she's done what she feels she's supposed to do. I don't know where she is with Christ, but I know that was her choice. 
uh, when I was preparing this message, and I'll have to share this about myself, um, I had received uh, an invitation or, you know, the, in the mail to go to my 50th class reunion. So if you add 18 and 50, that's 68. That's a lot of years. And, uh, you know, I'm much better person than I was when I was 18. But I have a lot more of me also on me. And so I said to the Lord, I, or said to my husband, I'm not going to the class reunion, I don't think. And he said, why? I said, well, if I lose 30 pounds by October, I'm going. This was first of August. And he said, did they put a weight limit on your class reunion? <laughs> I live with Mr. Wonderful behind the wall over there. And um, I, he thought he was really funny. I did not think it was funny. I said, that's not funny. He said, now you have to admit that's pretty funny. That was really good. He's laughing hysterically, you know, at the moment. Well, so then this week he called me on the phone when I was at the park. He said, are you in the middle of something? I said, I was just here working on my message. He said, well, I just want to tell you that I was praying this morning, and I wanted to let you know, you know, even if they haven't lifted the weight limit, I'll go with you to your class reunion. It'll be fine. I hung up on him. I said goodbye. And, uh, but then yesterday, or what was, yeah, Saturday, when I was praying about this message, or Friday, by myself in the park, I was writing down everything God was telling me about Valerie Harper and these other things. And he said, and now what about your class reunion? I said, what about it? He said, well, you didn't ask me. And I thought, well, I already made that choice. He said, yeah, but I want you to go because there's people that you need to touch. Of course, Pastor Bill, right after service, sent an office over there to me. So are we going? Yes. Not because you made the choice, because God told me. Everybody say, God told me. He told me that's vanity. You're thinking about you. It's not about you about the people on the other end of that that might need to hear about Jesus they know what I do and they knew me in high school and the last one I went to they lots of people talked to me I don't know what's happened five years later but how many of you can believe that if I do what God says and I make the right choice that he's going to be the answer for somebody on the other end of that see all the choices that we're making they're important for the kingdom of God for the future of what God wants to do in the earth And so I say to you today, you are a very important part of what God wants to do. And mistakes that you've made, he'll fix. He fixes. God has a way of speaking to people that brings life and not death. How many of you ever had God correct you? It's a whole lot different than people, isn't it? It, It's a correction, but it brings the ability to change with it. It's kind of like it delivers both things at the same time. It delivers repent and be free all in the same moment. And so that's what I say to you today. I want to give you seven things, then we're going to pray for you. Seven steps to making good choices. Are you ready? Number one, number one, take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for yourself. Not what other people say. Not blaming other people for where you're at today. Do you know that will not help you get out of where you are? You have to take responsibility. If you're sitting here today and you came to church with somebody and maybe you go with them all the time or maybe you've been in church all your life, do you know that doesn't make you saved? You have to make a choice. And it's an individual choice. I can't be saved because mother and daddy are saved. 
Daddy, you are such a good student of the word. You're taking notes, aren't you? He's 92. And he's taking notes. Because he still has things to do. And people to touch. And people to see. See, God loves you. Take responsibility for you. Number two, seek the counsel of the Lord and not people. The counsel of the Lord is sure. Now, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors, but I'm talking about your choices. Seek the Lord. Seek what he has. Do you know people have good advice? I talk, in fact, I talk with people when I've heard things from the Lord and I get input. But do you know the counsel of the Lord, the Lord showed me this. I don't, all, I don't only know the right answer because I'm the only one that knows the future. But I know how to get it done. Strategy. You know, people can give you information, but they can't give you the strategy because they don't know who you are. They don't know how you work. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just don't know what makes you tick? You know, you're a little weird. Well, you're not weird to God. He made you. And he knows how to work those things in your life. Number three, let the peace of God rule your heart, not your mind, because the things God asks and the choices he asks you to make don't always make your mind like say, oh, yes. But your heart says, yes. My heart says, yes. I don't want to do it, but my heart says, yes. And then number three, be prepared to resist. The moment God gives you something to do, the enemy will come quickly to put pressure on you not to do it. There'll be somebody who comes against you to say, don't live this way. Susie, don't you take one word that the world says to where you're at in your life right now. Speak the word only. Say the word only. Thank people for their generous heart to want to help you. But And move on. Stay with what you know. And that's for all of you who are fighting sickness, disease, poverty, or anything else. Only believe what God says. Only believe what God says. Number five, draw near to God. What does that mean? Well, the word of God says that means humility. The Bible says in James 4, in these scriptures that, that I'm going to give you, James 4, 6 through 10. Write that down. James 4, 6 through 10. If you go and look at that scripture, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. First submit, then resist, then draw near to God and be humble. Everybody say humble. Now, this is not what you, if you know religion, this is not religion where you are a worm and and you are nothing. No, God made you in his image and you are something. It's just that he is something more than what you are. And when you put him in that position, you can be who you are and God will be who he is. And it brings you into a place of drawing near to him, protected. Number six, hope in God. Hope in God. This scripture is one that I go to sometimes when things just seem like this is overwhelming. You probably don't have overwhelming days. But I sometimes do with situations that I hear in this church. I'm getting ready to do a funeral on Tuesday for a 26-year-old who was killed and her, her sisters in this church. And um, she's just new. And her sister was killed 5.30 Sunday morning in a tragic accident. And there were probably choices that were not the right choices. And I'm going to have to talk to a lot of young people. And so you can pray for me on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Sometimes things are overwhelming, you know, to us. But the Bible says in Psalm 42, why are you, why are you disquieted, oh, my soul? Why are you under that pressure? Hoping God. Hope in God and rejoice in him because he has an answer for that situation. And then number seven, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. The Lord, in your rejoicing, his presence is 
imminent. He will be there when you are rejoicing. And last scripture I want to give you is Romans 8, 28. Can you write that down? Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know all things, everybody say all things, work for good. You're sitting there looking at me like, this is not good, lady. I didn't say what you're in is good. I said it will work for good. I'm giving you what God says. It will work for good. For those who love God, let me see your hand today, if you love God. Yeah. And are called according to his purpose. Whether you believe that or not, just raise your hand because you do have a calling according to his purpose. All things, everybody say, work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I want you to bow your heads as you stand up this morning. I'm going to pray for you. The Bible says God's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who um, knows us and knows God. And uh, the Holy Spirit... With the word of God, it discerns what's really wrong. I was reading in my Bible reading that, um, you know, God is a spiritual doctor. And he looks at us individually. He doesn't look today. He's, he, we are a congregation. We're a group of people here. We all love God. And we, we know that we're called according to his purpose. Um, but every one of us is created differently. We all have a different set of fingerprints. And God said, that we have to make a choice for ourselves, for ourselves. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.